Hey, check that calendar. March 2nd at 1.30 p.m. That's a Thursday. We're going to bring this thing via Facebook Live. We want you to participate. Go over to Jesse Brown CLT again, March 2nd at 1.30. That's one of the things going on here on the Carolina Outdoors and at Jesse Brown's. We're going to talk urban hike and some upcoming segments with Mm -hmm. Drew Thrasher and invite our listeners on this March 12th. It's a Sunday, 1 p.m. start, urban hike. We'll learn more about that again in upcoming episodes in March 22nd. The F3T, the 17th edition of the Fly Fishing Film Tour, is coming to the Visualite Theater here in Charlotte. Live music at 5. The films will start at 7. West Lawson, it's a fly fishing party, essentially. And it's a great time, even if you aren't a fly fisher person. It's a really good, fun event. It's a great crowd. So come on over to the Visualite. We will be there, of course. And you should be there, too. That's right. The Carolina Outdoor guys will be on hand. Um, Wes, I was looking at my Backpacker magazine. I'm going to post this up on highlights of the Carolina Outdoors, the podcast. You can access it at jessebrowns.com as well. Just hit highlights of the Carolina Outdoors. It's 15 new hiking slang terms that Mm. everyone should use. This was compiled by the editors at Backpacker magazine uh, in the recent edition. And it has the definition of them. I just wanted to read a few. I won't read yeah, all let's 15. Figure this out. But here's one of them. Appretensive. Appretensive. That's an adjective. Appretensive. Describes the anxious feeling one experiences when every campsite appears full at the end of the day. Oh, I get that, yeah. And the next one isn't for a few miles up the trail. I thought it would be uh, fear of sleeping in a tent, but that makes more sense. Appretensive. Yeah, I think you, you could be in there. Here's an example. I know you're tired and hungry, but no need to get appretensive. If we hurry, we can claim the last spot across the lake. Here's another one I found interesting, and of course with uh, my love of food cajoleries cajoleries is a noun it's candy brought on a family hike to bribe children (laughs) to keep going without complaint yes i do that can be used on adults as well yeah absolutely i pack a lot i pack candy (laughs) heavily yeah cajoleries example i never would have gotten my five-year-old up that hill without the cajoleries i packed yeah you got to keep that blood sugar way up (laughs) That, that quickly, that reminds me of Matt Long, who's a contributor here on hiking of on the Carolina Outdoors. His parents used a term called farseums. And I was like, what is a farseum, Matt? And he said, well, when we were going on a hike and, and we would say, how much further the parents would go? We have about five more farseums. Huh. And that's as far as you could see times five. And, of course... <laughs> It's kind of like uh, goes forever. That's In- good. Infinity. Yeah. yeah. Far okay. Maybe I could submit that to uh, on on Matt's behalf to Backpacker. Deja views. Deja views. It's a noun. The more boring scenery on the second half of an in and out, in and back, out and back hike. The more boring scenery on the second half of an out and back hike. When you're retreading an area you've just been through. Example: the hike. Out was nice, but the deja vu's kind of made me wish I had found a loop hike instead. Hmm. Here's one, and of course, uh, Wes and I are at Jesse Brown, so this stands out. Grain counter. A grain counter is a noun. That's an ultralight backpacker so obsessive about reducing weight that grams are too big a unit of measure. 
so they so they use grain they their grain counters. Susan is such a grain counter. She files her toenails before every hike. Have you ever noticed that grain counters also tend to travel alone? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Self-selected. Yeah. Oh, uh, I got to fast forward. I like so many of these. Again, I'll have them posted up. Snack Bandit. It's a noun. It's an unprepared hiker who doesn't bring enough food. Instead, instead choosing to mooch off their partners. Yeah, we call them sneaky snackers. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, sneaky snacker. Uh, last one, Michelob Ultralighter, a backpacker mm. who is normally fanatic about saving weight, except when it comes to adult beverages. A Michelob Ultralighter. I think they just have their priorities straight. <laughs> Wes, you have an interesting news article over there. Will you share that with us? Mm. Yeah, you know, frequently at work and at home, we talk about how long it takes to get the mail. Not how long to get from where we're sitting to the mailbox, but in one case, it took an item that we mailed from our house here in Charlotte to my brother in Richmond, and it took nine days. Seemed like a lot. Well, a man in merry old London, England, received a letter recently, and it was stamped with the year 16. And so... uh, Finley Glenn is his name. He thought that meant 2016, but on closer inspection of the stamp, they noticed that there was a king, not a queen, on the stamp. That wouldn't make any sense. Whoa. Uh, The stamp was also for one pence, and it has King George V. It was sent in the middle of World War I. It was sent in 1916. His, His apartment building at the time, I think, was... A single residence in 1916. Um, so 100 and whatever that is, seven years? Yeah. Now, is there, does the article mention, is there any, I know there's novelty to it, is there value to a 107-year-old newly delivered letter? Yeah, so the local, his local history group is going to get involved. But So, uh, yeah, they broke the law here. They opened mail that wasn't addressed to them. The letter was addressed to my dear Katie, Uh, and she was, well, let's see. So, yeah, my dear Katie, that was written by uh, Christabel Mendel, Christabel Mendel, the daughter of tea merchant Henry Mendel, and they were on holiday. But it says, my dear Katie, I've been most miserable here with a very heavy cold. I wonder if they made it after, like, you know, did they break up because the letter didn't get there sort of thing? I mean, this is kind of crazy. So at least it wasn't a Dear John letter or, or Dear Katie, I am not your father. I mean, you're right, right. So this it's, this is the full article is on CNN because um, it, it and it's kind of a long one for what the, what the topic is. But can you imagine sending a letter to your beloved or your betrothed? And then maybe when you see them again, there's no reference to you being ill. <laughs> you know, cold-hearted. Uh, took 100 years to get—well, more than 100 years, but it finally got there. You know, the Royal Mail Service is known for being pretty quick, except for some letters that had been on some ships like the Titanic. Oh, yeah, that one didn't make it. Because, you know, that was a mail ship. It was a mail-carrying ship, RMS, Royal Mail Service. Um that's, yeah, they carried mail. A lot of a lot of steamships did. 
did not know. One hey, way they paid the bill. I'll grab that article. We'll post it up if you want to read that article about the 100-plus-year-old letter that finally made it or slang in the backpacking world uh, from Backpacker Magazine. Check us out at Highlights of the Carolina Outdoors. You can also hear this segment and many others over the course of the years all there at jessebrowns.com, which is where Wes and I hang our hat. Come visit us in the store, brick and mortar, there in Sharon Corners here in Charlotte, or always jessebrowns.com. For Wes Lawson and TJ the DJ Boggs, this is Bill Barty saying, make the Carolina Outdoors look a little bit better than you found it and pick up your trash. (laughs) 